Good morning, Central. My name is Jorge Salazar, and my wife and our three boys are fairly new to Chilliwack, although our two older boys are studying in seminary in the States. Uh, we are so blessed to have found a wonderful group of believers like you. Uh, we felt right at home among brothers and sisters who stand for the Word of God and who await for the coming of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. I am part of WorldServe Ministries, an organization that has worked with the persecuted church for over 45 years, uh, bringing Bibles and ministering to children and marriages, supporting church planters and training pastors and church leaders uh, around the world so that they too will teach others in the Word of God. Just to give you an idea, over 85% of all pastors outside of North America have never received any biblical training at all. These are wonderful brothers who are leading the church with wonderful hearts, but in some cases, they don't know the Bible and they find themselves under-equipped and unprepared for the wonderful calling of God on their lives and the demands of the church. So what we do is that we go to their places of ministry and in most cases, avoiding the close scrutiny of regimes and governments who are actively persecuting the church. And we meet with these pastors from those countries uh, through a week of intensive training in the Word of God. We do that three times a year. And after three years, we have gone through the whole of scriptures in great depth, and uh, the results are incredible. The impact these men are having, in spite of their challenges, is just breathtaking. I like to ask you, whenever you're reminded of our brothers in Cuba and in Central America, Myanmar, Egypt, Vietnam, China, and Ethiopia, that you would pray for them, that you would ask the Lord to, that he would strengthen the church in all these areas and that he will provide for their every need. Now, that's a little bit about myself, but I just want to thank you for the wonderful opportunity and privilege of opening the Word of God with you. So I would ask you to go to Romans chapter 8, and we will go to uh, Romans 8, verse 7. And while you find it, this is part of our series in the order of salvation, uh, I will just tell you that today we will look into regeneration or the grace of rebirth, what it is, what it means for us, and the impact it has on our daily lives and the way we see and we understand God's love for us and our responsibility as believers. So with your Bible, Romans 8, verse 7, brothers and sisters, hear now the word of God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will enlighten our hearts and that we will be rekindled to understand your grace in a broader way and to serve you with a willing heart in Jesus' name. Amen. The message of the gospel is a very simple yet powerful message. It tells us that we have rebelled against God. And because of our sin, we deserve the righteous judgment of God. We deserve 
the wrath of God. That means an eternity in hell because of our rebellion. However, thanks to God's love and mercy, he became a man and he obeyed perfectly the law in our place. And he paid the penalty for our sins in the cross. Now God accepted his sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ by raising him on the third day. And all of those who repent from their sins and place their faith in Christ alone are reconciled with God. So we are no longer enemies of God, but children of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, if you have repented and surrendered your life to Christ, this makes perfect sense to you. In fact, what doesn't make sense is why people aren't running after Christ if he is the only hope for our salvation. I mean, we saw people stampeding after toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. How come they're not crowding the churches in order to befriend God and stop being enemies of God? Paul gives us a reason in verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In other words, not only they don't want to be reconciled with God, they can't. That is the same idea that we read through the book of Genesis. It's the same idea we, we read in Jeremiah and the prophets. We read the same idea in the Psalms, and it's the same idea Paul explained in Romans 3.10 when he wrote, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Because when we rebelled against God, what we basically did is we said, I don't want you. I don't need you. In fact, I want to take your place. And we became idolaters, worshiping ourselves, putting ourselves in the center of everything and kicking God out of the picture. Isn't that our experience every day? It's all about me. Why don't you respect me? I want things done my way. Why are you driving so slow? Don't you know I'm in a hurry? And we fight our wife because I want to impose my will. And we resent our children because they don't live up to my standards. And we fight our co-workers because they don't deserve that race. I deserve the race. May my will be done. And you see, the first commandment is plain and simple. You shall have no other gods before me. And yet our hearts are as idolater as it gets. Even as Christians, I was told once by a Christian lady that she couldn't understand why people were so dumb as per not believing in Jesus. I thought to myself, right, because you're so smart. That's why you believe in Jesus Christ, right? Of course not. Ephesians 2.11 says that we were hopeless in our sins without God in this world. Not only were we lost, we were running away from God. In other words, what the Bible shows us is that without the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we don't want God. Have you ever wondered why the children of Adam and Eve turned their backs to God after seeing God's patience and willingness to bear with them until God had to destroy and start all over again with Noah and his family. 
But no longer after that, they built a tower and they rebelled against God because they were seeking a name for themselves. And God brought his judgment at Babel once more. Oh, but we're so stubborn. And God chooses a man and he chooses a nation to bring about his promise of redemption. And what did they do? The story of the Old Testament is the story of men who have seen God at work in amazing and miraculous ways. And yet, they rebel and rebel and rebel against God. And you go to the New Testament, and you have the champions of orthodoxy, the guardians of scriptures, the ones with the key to the kingdom, the Pharisees and the priests plotting against trying to kill God's only son to the point where they proclaim publicly, we have no king but Caesar, crucify him. So what do we do? And that was the question that Nicodemus posed before Jesus in John chapter 3. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot seek the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying is, you can't be saved unless you are born again. Now, I would be very discouraged if I was told that. You see, it's discouraging because no one can produce his own birth. Did you hear that? You cannot produce your own birth. So we are hopeless. However, this is in fact the most wonderful thing I've ever heard because on the one hand, I know that if it depended on me, I would definitely blew it. The Bible says that even my righteous works are like filthy rags before a holy God. So if it depended on me, I would be doomed. The question is, who can make this happen? Now listen to John chapter 1 verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And it's talking about Jesus. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now listen to this. This is key. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are born again by the will of God. Not because we did anything at all, not because we wanted to be born again, but because God wanted to save you. You see, that's the encouraging part. And that's what Pastor Matt was talking about a couple of weeks ago, that it doesn't depend on me, but it totally depends on God. Salvation belongs to our God, that he chose to grab your heart and my heart and transform it and regenerate it so that we would respond to the message of the gospel thanks to the faith that he has placed in our regenerated hearts. 
Without God's intervention, we would be lost in our sins and transgressions like a prisoner locked down in the deepest and darkest dungeons, completely enslaved to the sinful desires of our flesh and our idolatrous hearts. But God, Ephesians 2.4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, the problem is we want to be so independent, so autonomous, that we even want to take God's glory and our salvation for ourselves. We want to feel that we did it. Yes, it's God's grace. Yes, it's God's mercy. But I decided to follow Jesus. And we missed the part where we could have never decided anything holy apart from God's changing of our hearts. And you would say, wait a minute right there. What about free will? Don't we have free will to choose God or the world? Well, what do you mean by free will? We do have a will. We are volitious people, but our will is not free. It's actually enslaved to the desires of our hearts. If you walk into a restaurant, for example, and you grab a menu, you're definitely free to choose whatever you want from that menu. That's one kind of freedom. However, you will, your, free is not really will because, uh, your, your will is not really free because you will always decide what's in your heart. So regardless of all the options, if your heart wants a juicy burger, you will always decide for a juicy burger. And that's why I would drive my dad crazy whenever he took us to a fancy restaurant because I would order cereal and he would burst. What are you talking about? We have cereal at home. I would say, yeah, but I can help it. That's what my heart desires, you see? So the will is bound to the desires of our heart. And that is why we read at the beginning in Romans that no one seeks after God because our hearts have been enslaved by sin and every intention of the thought of our hearts was only evil continually. You see, that's why we encounter people who claim to be spiritual or claim to be seeking after God but want nothing to do with the Bible or with Jesus for that matter. People who are not really looking after God but they're trying to find an excuse to feel well about themselves. And they end up entangled in their humanistic views, deeper and deeper in the pond of their sinful desires. But I want you to listen to the good news in Titus 3, 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is so wonderful because God is saying, I am determined to save you. I will remove your heart of stone, the deceitful and desperately sick heart of yours, and I will place a new heart in you, a transformed heart, a heart through which you can respond to the effective calling of the gospel, a heart through which you can surrender whole to Christ. So if you think these amazing truths in the Bible, your perspective of grace will just grow even bigger. 
Because before you said anything, before you prayed the sinner's prayer, if that's the way you did it, before all of that, the Holy Spirit of God was transforming your heart so that the seed of the gospel would fall on fertile soil. And that, my brothers, that is grace. Now, Paul has more to say about this in the text that we're studying this morning. And this will get really practical. Look at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what we've been talking about. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And the point that Paul is making in the context here is that before you could have not pleased God at all, and now that you are born again, now that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, now you are alive in Christ. So now you can respond accordingly. This is why now we seek after God. This is why now we delight in the word of God. This is why now you want to be pleasing to God because he has transformed your heart. I remember a number of years ago, we were planting a church in Baja, Mexico, and we were in a small group setting, and someone asked, uh, Pastor, how do I know if I was born again? And before I could respond, someone else said this, I know I was born again because now I can't sin with a clear conscience. You see, she wasn't able to enjoy sin the way she did before she became a Christian. So when you have the Spirit of Christ, that means you are radically changed it means that your destiny has radically changed, and it means that your allegiance has to change radically as well. And your mind, your mind needs to be transformed and be conformed to the image of Christ. But now you can collaborate with the Holy Spirit because he has changed your heart, and now you want to. You see the difference? Isn't that glorious? So what the doctrine of regeneration is telling us is that you can please God. You can live a life of obedience and a life that surrenders whole to him because he has transformed your heart. Of course, when you're born again, you're a baby and you need to grow into maturity and you need to grow in the knowledge of the word of God for that purpose. The problem with our new birth, if you want to call it a problem, is that our heart is transformed but we're still carrying the ideology and the practices of the old man. So if you had a pantheistic view of God and you thought that God was in the fish and God is in the tree and God is in the river and God is in everything and we are all God, you may have been born again, but you don't know God. You still have a false view of him. And that is why you need to grow in your knowledge of who he really is, as he has revealed himself through the scriptures. And that is a gradual process you'll learn about in this series when we reach the theme of sanctification. But the encouraging part is that with your new heart and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are now able to put off the old self and put on the new self in Christ. Now your regenerated heart doesn't enjoy the locker room talk you used to have with your friends. Now your regenerated heart resents when you're watching a Netflix show and they start mocking God or showing inappropriate content. 
Now your new heart doesn't let you be at peace after yelling at your husband. Now you begin to grow more compassionate, more loving, more serving. Or you should, because now, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. And that's exactly what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. So if you have ever felt that you're losing the battle, that you don't have what it takes, that you keep on sinning and you don't measure up to the standards of God, that you are at the end of your rope, you're about to lose all hope about yourself let me assure you that you're right we can't do it ourselves and that is why we need Jesus because he has done it for us but listen to how this passage ends because it will give you the assurance that you need the last verse we read says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the death dwells in you he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And I know it's hard to say it at first glance, glance, but what this verse is telling us is that the Father, he who raised Jesus from the dead, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, they will give you life. Yes, you were dead in your transgressions, but when you were born again, the whole Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God will see it through. You have been given eternal life. There's no way God can fail. There's no way he won't see our salvation through because it has never depended on you. It has always depended on God. So what do you do? You enjoy God's grace with a grateful heart. You live for him who did not spare his own son, but give him up for us all. You respond in obedience because now you can obey God. Not out of duty, but out of love for what he has done for you. And you respond in trust. The trust that flows from an understanding of his word that God was determined to save you, that he was determined to give you a new life but also the trust that compels you to share the gospel with those around you, particularly those who know you and who have seen God working through your life. You can share the gospel even more boldly because you know it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on your eloquence, but it depends on God and his working in people's hearts. These truths in the word of God should give you the confidence that there will always be a harvest for the kingdom of God so that you can praise the Lord of the harvest for what he has done in you and through you for the glory of God. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your working in each one of your children. I pray, Lord, that even those of us who are listening to this sermon, that you will give them the boldness to surrender whole to you, to respond to the message of the gospel and to surrender their lives, seeking to understand who you are and to serve you whole, 
because you are the only God who deserves the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you.